Well, welcome to Round the Table with Christian Concern, uh, live here today on Friday. And um, we're going to discuss today why we should challenge the government's proposals to ban so-called conversion therapy. Um, and I'm, it's great to be joined today by Andrea Williams, our chief executive at Chris Concern, and also by Karis Mosley, um, who is a policy researcher um, here at Chris Concern. Great to see you guys. Um, and um, I want to start, Andrea, just asking you, first of all, why is this important, um, this whole issue of conversion therapy, which can feel a bit esoteric and people watching might not know um, why it matters. What, what would you say to someone who says, why is it important that we engage with this consultation that the government is running now? Because it's all about the gospel. It's all about saying people are free. It's all about saying people can change. And I love James Linton's comment here in many ways, starting us right off. Don't, don't call it, he says, conversion therapy. Refer to it as Christ's message of love and repentance of sin and forgiveness. And of course, James has got it right there. And it's absolutely true that the um, other side that have, have in effect managed to so skew this discourse in terms of the language that we use, this whole term of conversion therapy, not defined by the government, uh, but used continually in the public discourse, conjuring up something that's weird, cruel and awful when um, in fact what the effect of what the government is seeking to do here is to ban certain forms of therapy entirely and furthermore the re the ultimate repercussions of it is that it's going to uh, really um, harm our freedom to within churches pastorally to speak out the truth of uh, as James mentioned uh, there, just the truth of what it really means to be turned around, transformed in and through the power of Jesus Christ. Pastoral conversations are at real risk. And that's why it's so important mm. that we engage with what the government is doing here, that we help them to understand uh, what the notion of what they, they are seeking to ban here, what it will really mean in effect. I think, James, I've been with you that we can't use the term conversion therapy because it's a term that's imposed upon us. It's a campaign term that the um, LGBT activists have used to skew and distort the conversation. Hmm. But there comes a point whereby in order to engage, yeah. in, order to, we, we have, in order to engage with a, con with, with a government consultation on conversion therapy, um, we have to use, we, we have to sometimes use that term and then seek to expose why it's a term that just doesn't work or can be uh, or can be or that can't be explained yeah and so and Karis, what's your perspective on this why why do you think it's important that we respond to this consultation on 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 it's so not even well, a consultation whether to ban conversion therapy it's a consultation on how to ban conversion therapy isn't it yeah, and I think it's interesting when you actually look at the text of consultation, they ask a question that's not even the first question. So before they say these are the questions, they ask, are you in principle uh, supportive or opposing the government's proposals? Which I think is, you do wonder what's going to happen to the responses. If, if we said we're opposed, are all those who oppose, are their responses going to be thrown in the bin at the beginning? 
I think that's very odd. I've never seen that really in a consultation before. Um, so I, we, yeah, it's there are lots of games being played by this consultation. And this is why we've brought out this guide, to, <coughs> which um, helps supporters go carefully through um, and and uh, and to explain to them what what is going on, so that they can. So um, um, if you're subscribed to our emails, uh, you should have had a guide, action alert guide uh, for responding to this conversation in your email box. If you're not subscribed to our emails, why not? Uh, you should get subscribed now, christianconcern.com forward slash hello. Give us your email address and we'll get these things out to you um, on time. And Can the I actually just jump in there, Tim, because of what I, I want to really, you know, delve in on what Karis has said. I want to read yep. the actual words. All yep. right. Go on. Um, and the government will ban conversion therapy. The government will ban it. Uh, bear in mind that, um, in a sense, everyone thinks they know what conversion therapy is when they don't really know uh, what it is. It, what the government, Tim has a definition. Tim, do you want to give us the definition that you that, that you know yeah. say? So I think the government is saying that conversion therapy is any therapy aimed at changing someone's sexual orientation or gender identity uh, it can be changing either way um, to too gay or too straight or too trans or too non-trans whatever that the right word is for that i suppose cisgender is the thing um, but any therapy aimed at changing someone's sexual orientation or gender identity is deemed conversion therapy in the government's um, meaning and by therapy by the way i mean that's not defined really very well but i mean by therapy it could mean a conversation a private conversation pastoral care prayer ministry, any of these things could be therapies. Don't just think it's professional therapists that they're trying to catch here, although that is a target. Um, you know, pastoral ministry in general will be deemed to be therapy. Um, in some cases, they're referred to as practices. So well, you know, here Christian, yeah, exactly. And here at Christian Concern, we are, we deal very often with, we, we deal it with um, organisations that are offering pastoral care, therapeutic help to people who are in all sorts of situations, including people that want to uh, move away from their same-sex attractions. But again, the gov this is what I was wanting to draw drill as to. In the introduction, the government said there's no justification for these coercive, the government will ban conversion therapy, there is no justification for these coercive and abhorrent practices. And the evidence is clear that it does not work. It does not change a person from being LGBT and cause long-lasting damage to those who... Well, we have to say here that, um, first of all, anything that is cruel and unkind um, and abusive and physically harmful is already banned. Anything that is truly coercive uh, and the kind of things that everyone thinks that this might be like electric shock treatment, well, we know no one that's doing that at all. But the point about it is that's already illegal. When it was practiced, and um, it was practiced by the medical profession itself, mm. not by anyone that we know that would say they're helping people to move mm. away uh, by choice from unwanted same-sex attractions. The idea that the government is saying in black and white in a consultation that men and women um, that um, cannot change, it, do, it, do, it doesn't work, it does not change a person from being LG, LGBT and can cause long lasting damage. Well, that's clearly disproved by the science. 
please go and look at the International Federation for Therapeutic Choice and Counseling. See there a whole, a huge uh, scientific memorandum, uh, scientific papers on studies of, ther of therapy that's being done with people choosing to move away from sexual practices that they no longer want to be involved in. And you will see there the social science on this. Yes, and there are lots of people who identify as ex-gay and ex-trans. In fact, we've got some watching now, haven't we? Matthew Gregg, I can see, has commented and he's online. Peter Benjamin um, is watching online as well. And there are many, many others that we know. For, I mean, hundreds, even thousands, really, around the world of, of people who identify as ex-gay and ex-trans. So this idea that you can't change is kind of, it's, it's blatantly, you know, falsified by the very existence of people who identify as ex-gay and ex-trans. And in fact, the government even didn't, even made it a protected term, didn't they, Andrea, in one of our cases? What are exactly, you talking about Exactly, yes. Yes, well, the, the, the truth is absolutely true that um, in uh, Mike Davidson, who runs Corsius Trust and I um, and very involved in with International Federation for Therapeutic Choice and Counselling, that um, when... Um, Stonewall putting bus ads out. So you may remember that some of the viewers here today um, saying, uh, we're, um, uh, oh, now it's just slipped my mind. Some it people was, are gay, uh, get over it. Sorry? Some, some people, people are gay, get, some get, people over gay get over it. was on the buses and Mike sort of put out um, uh, an advert that said, ex-gay, post-gay, um, get over it. Just something that entirely mirrored that. Yeah. Those yeah. efforts were withdrawn as being discriminatory, as being offensive, as hurting a certain section of the public. And then what, but what happened in that case, in the jurisdiction case, it was, it was determined that ex-gay was in fact a protected characteristic under the Equality Act. So ex-gay is understood and is protected as a sexual orientation within English jurisprudence at this time. I mean, you wouldn't know it, it for the way in which it plays out, but it's true. That is something that was won in the jurisprudence of that case. I think that case occurred in, in 2013, so a number of years ago now, but it's held up as, um, as, as good jurisprudence. Yeah. So, um, Karis, the, the, the point is now then, you know, the government wants to introduce a law and our position is no new laws are needed. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah, I mean, the government has been uh, making claims that certain practices, because it actually in the consultation talks about practices of conversion therapy, right? That are practices that are clearly not uh, therapy or counselling, um, that uh, they are violent and they should be banned. So, for example, some uh, there are some cases in different other countries of rape of men targeting women. This is really honor-based violence on the basis of they're perceived to be lesbians and is kind of uh, trying to change that. And that's obviously a crime anyway to rape somebody and is clearly a form of honor-based violence. And then the government has also brought up forced marriage. And there are some cases, again, there was one recently in India of a child, the parents you know, already trying to force a child to marry somebody they didn't want to um and trying to sign them up for therapy and so overriding this adult child's um ability to make their own choices in life and clearly those are criminal offenses anyway um and the government has i think it's been listening to some of what we've said because we kept on saying it um that they don't need n new offenses but they, they still 
push it's still there are elements of the government still pushing the envelope and i should warn viewers that when you read carefully through the whole consultation um they they start by saying coercive conversion therapy so they assume that every form of therapy or pastoral conversation in the church is coercive which is wrong uh, but also when they use the term practices of conversion therapy um they're blurring the line between th these things and other things that are not legitimate and criminal or physical. And in laws in other countries like Malta, where there is a ban, a criminal ban, the term used is not conversion therapy, it's conversion practices. So we're already seeing this slide, this slippery slope inside the government consultation documents. And we've got to be pushing back at every step of the way um, with that and warning what's happened in other countries. Mm. So, um, and, and, Andrea, they've they've just they've agreed with us, the government, right, that every physical act that's done in the name of what they call conversion therapy is already a criminal act anyway. So there's no new laws needed there. They've agreed with us on that point, right, which is quite a big big thing and a big deal. Um, but then they sort of try and argue that there's something else here that perhaps they need a new law on called coercive conversion therapy. And they say we need a new law on that. Now, how do you respond to that, Andrea? Well, I just want to ask where are the real examples on this where is the evidence that this is needed the the reality is this that therapy is already very highly regulated so regulated in in fact and the regulatory bodies so influenced by the uh, prevailing narrative that they themselves um in effect um seek to ban um therapy for those wanting to move away, who choose to move away from unwanted same-sex attraction. Hence, the media the, the media hits and the regulatory monitoring of the licenses of people like Leslie Pilkington, Mike Davidson, and a number of others, in fact, many of which have not seen the light of day. So we, we already have a situation whereby therapy is so heavily regulated uh, that those that seek to help to move people away from unwanted same-sex attraction, um, who seek to access that, are already being monitored and targeted and often removed. So we have that situation in effect, that therapy is heavily regulated in this area. The truth is this, even if we move away from this so-called conversion therapy field, therapy is therapy is therapy. We may have bad therapy. Bad therapy is not a good thing. Um, but Bad therapy doesn't just apply in the area of conversion therapy or in the area, it applies to every area of therapy. That's why there are regulatory bodies to monitor it. The idea that there is something in this so-called conversion therapy that which is so sinister and so cruel um, that isn't already caught by our law mm. and our regulatory framework. So of course, mm. physical acts of violence, of course, forced cruel conversion techniques. But they're already illegal, Andrea, they're, they're already illegal. illegal. So and the government agrees that. That's the point. They're already yeah. illegal. There's a heavy regulatory framework. So this document to say that we need something else without giving us really any evidence, any hard evidence of what is already not caught. Without I think we ought to realise here that the only verifiable evidence there is in the UK and how this whole campaign started 12 years ago was the work of undercover journalists. 
recording themselves, going to see various, always Christian, there were no non-Christian therapists or pastoral counsellors or pastors that they went to see. And um, they were offended by the words used. And of course, we can have a discussion. It's an entirely legitimate theological and psychological discussion in churches all the time about how we talk with people. That's normal, but but it was presented in a completely one-sided manner, in a disingenuous manner, because you're un, if you're undercover, you're deceiving the person you're claiming to get help from. Um, and of course, they were not thinking at all about the, whether there would be other people going to see the same people who might be agreeing with the words uh, used and, and actively seeking it out for a, a genuine intrinsic motive. So what does the government, the government has to show us that it has real evidence like none of these recordings um, none of what was said in these recordings amounted to a criminal offense it's fairly obvious um certainly not the physical offense uh, not really most of, most wouldn't um and uh, you could query some of the words used and and because so that's an entirely normal part of church discipline actually and the exercise of church authority um on on how we worship and how we address god and and do do christian life together Yeah, so so the um, the interesting point here then is we get to this the first important question in, this, in the survey in the, in the consultation, having gone through sort of questions about you or questions about your organisation, they ask this this first in principle question uh, that says they're seeking views on banning conversion therapy, and the question says, do you agree or disagree that the government should intervene to end conversion therapy in principle? Yeah. That's that's the question, the very first question. You've got options from strongly agree. Uh, to strongly disagree or prefer not to say. Now, it, you know, we're saying that there's no new laws needed here. So our answer is strongly disagree with, in principle, the government intervening. And because also the other aspect is that therapy is really a private conversation and nobody should be intervening in that. The law certainly shouldn't get into that. So we're saying strongly disagree in principle with the idea of the government intervening in this whole area. Um, but other people or other organisations are are sometimes fudging that or saying maybe there is room here. Um, why do you think that is, Andrea, perhaps? Well, I think that perhaps um, it's hard to know. If I'm, if I'm absolutely honest, it's quite hard to know because there's a, there, an idea that the government will perhaps respect um, the church's freedom rather than the therapist's freedom. Um, it's the point is these lines are very hard. These lines are very hard to um, they shift and the, and the line between therapy and pastoral work is is continually shifts as well. And I think that the um, the notion here that there is any anything that is happening that is not already caught by our law or by the regulatory framework. In fact, if, well, in fact the regulatory framework takes it so far, very often therapy to help people in this arena is denied to them. And therapists are denied practicing certificates. So I, so the idea that we, we believe that, or that we as Christians or that we as Christian organizations might say there is good reason for the government or there is a reason, or we can neither agree nor disagree about... Nobody's given an example, have they, Anna? Nobody's given an example of something that isn't a criminal offence and should be. Yeah, on exactly. That, that's the real point. Nobody's given us any example of something that isn't a criminal offence now that should be a criminal offence in this whole area. 
And so we're saying, no, that there's no new laws needed. That's the point, isn't it? But Karis, you do you have more to say about why we should answer strongly disagree to this point on, on the, the principles? Yeah, the I think agreement? if people think they can concede to the government, I think they need to look a bit wider and look at internationally. The picture is that when people have tried to concede in other jurisdictions and think, well, of course we wouldn't do, you know, coercive things and we wouldn't, these are basic things, then actually the bans have not been stopped. Like in, in the Australian territories, in Canada, they, it's still going through the, the parliament. Um, in Malta, they would the civil servants were telling them, oh, it won't affect you. And then we know what happens, an attack on somebody giving his testimony, on Matthew giving his testimony. So, you know, I think the governments in different places are pulling the wool over people's eyes, actually, when they are using the word coercion. And it's it's um, they're tricking churches into thinking, yes, of course, we, 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 uh, we stand for decency and decent behavior. We would never do that not realising that they are the very target. I think that needs to be said plainly at this stage. And I can say this because I've watched the debate um, since that Nicolosi conference um, was infiltrated. I, I was there in the conference and I was addressed by the person who infiltrated the conference. And I've watched it long before, before I came to work here. And not everybody was speaking up then. And I know the Christian concern is a track record um, that others might not have, not publicly at least, and and, uh, and there is this dual track of attacking churches and attacking therapists and counsellors. And the other side are constantly playing the game of mixing them up. And the problem is once you concede that a new law is needed, you're conceding this is a problem and you're probably opening the gateway to a law that will end up affecting all of us you know, in some ways. Yeah. You know, it's very hard to you know define exactly what the law will will prohibit and will not prohibit and it creates but i think also we've got to think about the, the boundaries of what churches are porous we have different denominations because of history and of course yeah. churches may have um, licensed councils working on their premises um, churches of course hire out their buildings or maybe hiring a building if they're on a journey going from you know an old building they can't use to a new one or they mm. may be house churches and so you know it's it's quite simplistic to say we'll just look at what, how it's affecting churches of course it's necessary and it's good to speak up but it's it's always much more than that it's always about the culture and, and the social arrangements as well and the thing is as well you know once the government's conceded that physical acts are all already illegal you're coming down to talking acts aren't you? i mean that's yes. that's that's what it is and so you you know whatever you do is bound to breach human rights in some way freedom of expression freedom of religion in some way is it not in terms of the government's action on this i think you're right it then gets down to what sort of speech as a society is uh, do we allow uh, and which is partly the discussions about well some people have tried to make it a discussion about hate speech and invented the term hate prayer which is just nonsense uh and uh, and yeah, and also I think a lessening, of course, part of the bigger, wider crisis on free speech is the sense by many people um, that we can't trust people with free speech. We can't really trust um, civil society and church organisations to solve their problems through debate and discussion. That it has to be done by the criminal law, which is quite an extreme thing to do. Hmm. Uh, Andrea was mentioning regulation therapy. It is regulated, but it's there are people who would like more regulation in Britain, or more consistent regulation. But yeah. that would still fall far short of what of these um, criminal provisions. And I think it should be said at this point that that therapists have, have been divided amongst themselves for decades about how to regulate their own profession. I suppose you could compare it to education. You have state education, you have private education, you have homeschool. So. There's not there's not any consensus among actual therapists about this, yeah. which is why yeah. we can also tell that really the real target is churches. Yeah. So so listen, um, 
I'm hoping Andrea's coming back on now. Here she is. Okay, so yeah, we've covered this the question about um agreeing with government intervention or not on, on commercial therapy in principle. The next question about physical acts, and I think we've discussed that because the government agrees that no new laws are needed there, so we agree with them on that. Then you come to the next really important question, which is about what they call talking conversion therapy. And they, they say there's a gap in the law um, that means that coercive talking therapy, whatever that means, and that is a problem, what does it mean, um, um, should be banned. And then furthermore, under 18s cannot consent uh, to any form of therapy along these lines, and neither can uh, vulnerable people. So um, Andrea, talk to us about the implications of all of that. Well, it's it's removing in many ways parental um, authority, parental involvement. You could criminalise parents who want to help their child move away, perhaps from some confusion uh, in their lives, uh, to help them uh, to uh, follow a biblical ethic, to help to 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 help their child in in what may well be a very difficult circumstance. The idea that the government intervenes and says that. Uh, parent that 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 a child cannot consent to do this kind of therapy um is is really worrying indeed it's perhaps uh, it's it a, creates well, a new legal category doesn't it andrea of a, of a sort of transgender identifying child that you cannot you know you can only affirm you can only affirm their acquired transgender identity you cannot on pain of criminal offense challenge their acquired transgender identity well, I mean, I mean, it's almost too fantastical to believe that this is, is that it's actually... Don't you believe it? Don't you believe it, Andrea? <laughs> no, I do believe it. It's in black and white. But... I mean, I'm, you can see that I, I mean, I actually am almost speechless because it's there on the... It, this is what it means. Do we understand that this is what it means? And do we understand that that cannot be kind and good and right for a child that's, or for a, a young person that's under the age of 18, is also a radical over-interference with parental, with parental rights in this arena, with family, over-interference. Or teachers, or youth pastors, or pastors. And also just imagine how they might be caught. I mean, just imagine that. I mean, I can think of the a multitude of conversations that I have had over, over many years with young people, young people in church situations and in non-church situations, where I may well have talked to them about things that they're doing, things that they're doing in all sorts of aspects of their life. And, you know, as, you know, as a Christian in their lives, as very often as someone who's watching over them in a sort of youth leader type of role, in a mentoring role amongst young people, really um, work with people, taking people to passages in the Bible, sometimes discipline them for behavior that they've been involved in. Um, the, those sorts of things would be entirely caught, just normal Christian living, having young people in your home, knowing them over many years, guiding them in life circumstances, having sometimes tough conversations with them. None of those conversations are now safe. Um, they may de be deemed to be coercive, cruel, uh, cruel upon a vulnerable adult, 
um, a lack of regard for really believing that that person is who they say they are. Because the other thing that this consultation does is speak big on affirm uh, the, this, this, this continual affirming of this particular uh, identity and that it is cruel not to affirm someone in that in, in their in their identity and i think these are things that we need whereas the opposite is true isn't it the opposite is true. Yes. you know um james linton says here it's immoral to enter into the child's delusionary state um of gender dysphoria by affirming their belief that yeah, they are the opposite sex what they are immoral it's, it's actually immoral not to challenge it yeah. Right. That's actually the case. It is, you know, people have put up here, woe to those who call good, evil and evil good. Well, it, it is like that as well. Um, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of. And also the language is always sort of, it's always used in a bit, it's victim language. The government has heard from victims that in recent years, many of those who have previously attempted to change a person's LGBT have conceded that it's not possible. Instead, they may liken feelings of same-sex attraction or being transgendered to a defect, deficiency or addiction. And may conduct conversion therapy in an attempt to remedy or control this. The government considers that in such instances, this would amount to con conversion therapy. Um, so, you know, this idea that it's just simply impossible to change um, and that it's set. And um, it's, it's government views that, that these people are vulnerable and people under 18 are vulnerable and are higher risk of being harmed. When in fact we know that the good um, is very often the practices themselves. It's not conversion practices that they're seeking to, to ban, the, the, the harmful thing as it were. It's actually the homosexual practices themselves. It's staying in life lifestyles that very often do not lead to other addictions, uh, lead to other things that really hurt people. Now, if, if people, the point is here that I haven't ever met a therapist um, in this field, and I've met many now, who have ever sought to force anyone to continue with therapy, carry on. If people, they often say, if people are happy where they are, in whatever lifestyle well, they're Therapy only works by consent, doesn't it? It's about, I want to be helped with this, and a therapist agrees to help them with that. You know, it, that's what it is. It's... it's it exactly. can't be anything other than consensual. It's always consensual. Let me say that this is where I find it really sad. I mean, even this week we've been involved in a case that therapy works by consent and the people that are the wrong end of this are the therapists themselves. So when they get targeted by activists, as we've been experiencing, activists come into the therapeutic room, the safe place, and they say to the therapist uh, who, tr who is trusting them that they... That they are genuine. The therapist talks them through um, their what how, what they the difference that they want in their lives, and they will say things along the lines of, "I'm unhappy um, with my same-sex attraction. I want to diminish it. I'm unhappy in my relationship. It conflicts with my religious conscience. All these sorts of things will be the language that they use. Mm. Or I'm addicted, or I'm addicted to certain behaviours. Um, mm. mm. And and the therapist then. Dealing with that at face value seeks to help them as they have requested. And yep. it's then the therapist that's reported to the regulatory body. Yep. So the therapist in the supposed safe pace is the one that's being reported. And even this week, 
we've we've had a situation whereby a therapist who was targeted or and actually in this case it may not have been targeted exactly but where the, but where, where a therapist um took the person's requests at absolute face value um and for doing that um finds himself hauled before in in a secret place before a regulatory body uh now in fear of losing his practicing certificate all behind closed doors how is that evidence meant to be tested and if people and if the and if the public at large and if the laws at large and if the regulatory profession at large says this person cannot be changed even if this person says they want to be changed if that's what we say then no therapist is safe but um I want, I want to move on from therapists because everyone's going to think this is only therapists and it's not I'm not going to be affected by this. Karis, can you talk about how this could affect churches and church ministry as well? Okay, so when you look at the consultation document, they talk about um, protecting prayer. Let me just bring up the text. Um, a there's a particular wording okay so this is what they take and it's actually paragraph 5.2 if you if people are actually looking at it on the government website and he said to be clear talking talking conversion therapy could not be reasonably understood to include communications such as casual conversations exchanges of views private pay, prayer or pure speech acts now, I don't know what on earth pure speech acts is. It's, it's the sort of thing that a philosopher would say. It's just meaningless waffle. Casual conversation, okay, that's conversation with your friends. Exchange of views, well, that might count. You know, a video like this might count. Uh, and then private prayer. Well, what is private prayer? Some church, some churches are home, church, uh, you know, house churches. Is that private? And they've moved from from being in the in their public building for one reason or another. Um, but nothing is said to protect public prayer, worship, um, wedding ceremonies which, you know, the vows that people take to say, you know, forsaking all of us to help that. Um, courses, for example, marriage courses, marriage prep, um, conferences, um, you know, small groups, uh, anything like that, or, or, or preaching or outdoor preaching. And you know, all of these things are not protected. So I don't know why people are going around saying, well, or even pastoral care, prayer, you know. pastoral care or youth work as well. Is as well. Yeah, yeah. There's, the list is quite yeah. long. And, and they're talking about consent forms, aren't they? So, so under 18s can't consent. So you, you, you would be breaking the law by even having a conversation there. And then over 18s can consent, but then they have to sign a consent form. And then, so what are you having to do? Consent forms for every pastoral conversation? I mean, how does this Well, work? I think, yes, I think the problem is that some people will try and cover their bases with that. The problem is that that's, into, that's kind of making consents go everywhere in 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 social life which is a little bit crazy because we can't you know in, in normal life we sort of sometimes we know that it's required verbally uh, like when you sign a work contract or something or sign you know all sorts of I don't know utility bills and things but there are lots of times when we know uh, from social experience uh, that consent is tacitly given and that we work on on trust uh, and um, and I think there is a concerted um, there is a sort of manipulation of issues around consent here, and and there has been 
amongst our opponents in the last few months. So, for example, Jane Ozan went before Parliament, I think it was in May, and admitted that nearly everybody, including herself, who went to what she called conversion therapy, had willingly got of their own accord as adults, i.e. they consented. And then the Ozan Foundation, a month ago, I think it was, brought out this Cooper report where they said people can't give consent. So they're using the kind of it's interesting because it's kind of the reasoning that was given in the Kira Bell case against uh, these puberty blockers. But they didn't cite that. And the reason is that Stonewall is a signatory of the Ozan Foundation's report. And Stonewall has joined as a third party the, um, the legal challenge to the High Court judgment um, and uh, to the Kira Bell case. And of course, that's going on undoubtedly up the European system as well, because I don't think it's going to stop with our Supreme Court. So they're playing a game with the notion of consent. So who knows what will what will happen next? But they don't want um, Orthodox Christians or, or, or Orthodox Jews, for that matter, to be able to consent and anybody to be able to truly consent. So that bringing in forms is bringing an extra problem. And tell you why also that is, because they will want to use the scientific evidence that they listen to. They won't listen to what the IFTCC will say about the wider scientific evidence to say, well, you're consenting to being harmed. And you can do that as an adult in the same way as you would consent to sadomasochism, which is basically the gist of the Cooper report when you look at its footnotes. So so I would have to sign a consent form before asking for prayer ministry in church. Is that? Yes, you happen? might. Yes. Well, I think that I mean, what, where, what will happen in practice is this. I mean, again, um, that this le new legislation generally, what will happen is that many churches and Christians will be put in fear. And what happens with those that are all, I mean, many of us, many Christians are already in fear. And those that are the most, the most will be so fearful of how the government might intervene. They'll place so many hurdles and consent forms and rules around what it means to talk about these things that the real needs, the real and pressing needs of a next generation that is sexually confused at all levels, I mean, not just around same sex and transgenderism, but over porn, their whole, the whole sexualization of our youth, that the church will be afraid to speak into one of the most pressing issues of, of our time and one of the issues that's really messing up our kids at this time. And the church will be fearful around this because um, because of the eggshells on which it will think it has to work in order to prevent being criminalized in this particular area. So we're already seeing, I mean, we're already seeing the kind of fear that the church is in and around this. Um, but it's going, this will only make it worse. And Andrea, we're planning a symposium about all the evidence around this. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, we are planning a symposium and do get in touch with us if you're interested uh, in coming to that. It'll be in central London a week on Tuesday. So do get in touch with us if you'd like to um, come to that. But we hope there to have um, a symposium with scientists uh, from uh, the leading scientists in the world who have studied the impact of therapeutic help for those who choose to move away from unwanted sexual behaviors. And they'll look at the evidence around that, um, the evidence to support whether a conversion therapy ban is necessary the evidence around the Cooper report all of this will be looked at a week on Tuesday so do get in touch with us if you'd like to look at that to come and be with us there 
Great. Well, look, um, Kaz, the final comment from you before we wrap up? I think I would encourage um, supporters to read carefully our guidance and um, and also, yes, come along to vent and uh, and do get in touch as well. I think these are times when, we, you know, the envelope is being pushed in lots of different directions. And I think the significance, not many people don't truly understand the broad significance of this, how it could go. It's not, as you said, it's not going to stop with therapists. The broad implications, as I said, with churches with public, everything public that churches do, actually, or semi-public, be affected. Well, do look at our guidance. Um, do please take 30 minutes to just respond uh, to the consultation and um, and follow our guidance to do that. Um, and also encourage your friends and encourage your church leaders. Respond on behalf of the church. Get your friends to respond as individuals as well. Um, as more responses, the better, particularly responses um, saying, in principle, we disagree with this. Um, whole idea of the government getting involved in this area by the brutal force of law. Um, so do take that action, please. Um, and the closing date is December the 10th on that. So we've got a few weeks now, um, but it will come quite quickly. And thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. We'll be here again um, next Can I week. just respond to Mike Feast's comment here? I'm not a yeah. trustee of Christian Institute. I am work with Colin Hart and Coalition for Marriage. Um, I do, I do oppose the conversion uh, therapy ban, Mike. So I'm with you on that. I absolutely oppose the conversion therapy ban. It's not needed. It's unnecessary, and it's dangerous. But you're not a trustee. I'm not a trustee of the conversion therapy. No, I'm not a trustee of the Christian Institute, and but and I do and I do oppose. Um, I do oppose the conversion therapy ban. Yes. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. We've made that clear. Do follow yeah. us on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and do sign up for our emails so you can get these action alerts as well and uh, weekly emails for free and look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you. Bye.